Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Nick Frazier Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Frazier. As it says in the title, happy holidays to everybody. Hopefully, you're enjoying some good time with family and friends. Grab a cup of eggnog, grab some hot cocoa, grab some black coffee, whatever it is. Get some cookies, dip it in there, have a good time. Sit by the Christmas tree, go on a run, whatever. You don't want to miss this episode of the Nick Frazier Podcast. Giving out winners left and right each and every week. And I am solo dolo this week. So, unfortunately, no co-host, but that's okay. They're here in spirit. They're enjoying some good time with family and friends. Well, let's get into it. It's time to talk about college football. There's not a lot of picks here for college football. Obviously, it's the midst of bowl season. Some picks I really am not, you know, tempted by for taking here. I mean... Looking at the slate, I I don't know. To me, uh, looking at it right now, it's Army and Missouri. I'm not tempted by that game whatsoever. Everybody knows where I stand on the college football playoff picks. My big pick that I really like that's no longer available from what I can see is the the highest scoring bowl team, essentially. And that was, for me, Western Kentucky at 59 points. They were plus 4,200 you put a dollar on it, you win 400, excuse me, you put a dollar on it, you get $41 or $42, whatever. $43 it is, I'm not sure. If you put $10 on it, you get $430 return. You put $100 on it, that's a $4,300 return. Currently, as I checked last week, you know, after their game, they were minus 140. They went from plus 4,200 to minus 140. It's looking pretty prominent. The only other game I'm kind of worried about is the UT-Purdue game. And I, I think the only other game that was kind of on the books listed as the highest scoring game was SMU and Virginia. So for me, am I worried about that game? Maybe. I, I just see a lot of players sitting out in this bowl season this year. So I'm not too necessarily worried to an nth degree. I mean... The two teams that kind of scare me the most that I didn't think about were Liberty and Wyoming. Now, looking at the Liberty game when they played Eastern Michigan, there was a game I was, I guess, I put some skin on probably about two, three weeks ago. It was the MAC, I believe it was the MAC Conference Championship, or it was the Michigan Rivalry Trophy where it's like Central Michigan, Western Michigan, and Eastern Michigan. Like all of them go for one trophy or something. And I believe Eastern Michigan won the trophy. But the pace of their game, and I have to put this into consideration, the pace of the game, uh, just the style of offense, it just, I I bet on the under that game and it it hit. So, and then, you know, with covering Conference USA, majority of this college football season, you know, Liberty plays a few teams here and there in Conference USA. And obviously they played very well. And in their bowl game, it showed they scored 56 points now, it came pretty close. I'm not going to lie. It came pretty close. 56 points. I was watching the last probably quarter or so. I, you know, when I checked my phone, I kept seeing the score was like 49. Okay, it's getting 10 points closer. And then I saw another one. It was at 56. I was like, all right, uh, it's time to turn the television on. And uh, luckily, Eastern Michigan's defense kind of pulled it out and stopped them. You know, it kind of worried me. And then obviously, this past week, watching Wyoming play football, it was... It was actually an eventful game watching them play Kent State. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kent State's a good football team. Both of them are a good football team. But, you know, I, on that game, I bet the first half of Kent State to cover the first half spread, and they did. 
So, you know, that was all I wanted to worry about at that point. But then, you know, I, I ended up watching the second half just because I there was nothing else on and I enjoy watching football. So I was like, oh, wow, this is this is a very eventful game. I'm pretty sure that will go down as the highest scoring bowl game if SMU and Virginia don't uh, overtake that title. So, but carrying on, looking at some other stuff here. Ah, I mean, there are probably some good games coming up. I know Tennessee plays Purdue. That should be a fun game. You know, before the bowl season started, they were plus 2,200 at uh, the highest scoring bowl game. I was a big fan of that. Uh, There's, let's see here. You know what? I'm going to make three picks of college football bowl season. And these are some picks that, uh, I did have them written down already, so I'm not going to say I'm doing them off the top of my head. I already had them written down. I like Houston a lot versus Auburn. Auburn, obviously, the big news of Bo Nix transferring to Oregon. Yeah, he wasn't playing the last couple weeks because of his injury, but something like that kind of shifts you know, the emotion of teams. And uh, So for the first half, I like Houston and the first half spread. They're plus a half, so basically for them to win outright, um, it's Minus 116, I think it's a good little get. Houston's been a pretty decent ball club all season. Obviously, Auburn, they kind of hit some sort of extra boost near the end of the season, obviously playing in the Iron Bowl and stuff. They started playing at a better pace, but I think Houston's been a team that is kind of, I wouldn't say undervalued, but you know, going into bowl season, a lot of these plus money teams are really showing up. I believe I've, I've been on probably like, Maybe seven or eight bowl games, I think, if that's how many they've been on. I almost all of them I bet on, and they've been majority of them have been plus money. So the plus money teams are really racking in. Uh, the only team that let me down was my hot pick of the week every week through college football, and that was UTSA. Uh, let me down for the second time this year. I'm fortunate, but that's okay. That's all good. There are a lot more bowl games to recover from here, and uh, so yeah, the first pick I like is Houston first half spread plus a half. If you want, you could take a money line plus 112. I like that value a lot, 100%. The other game I really liked, and the money line is really skyrocketed into some minus money here. It's uh, it's minus 400 Mississippi State. I'm not going to take that line. The spread's minus 10 and a half. I, you know, Mississippi State has some players on the defense that are sitting out or just, you know, ready to go uh, NFL eligibility for the draft and. It's kind of worrisome a little bit because they're playing Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is one of those teams that is sneaky. They're sneaky. They can they can start putting points up, and you're just like, oh man. And then you got you know Will Rogers and and Wally over there on the offense for Mississippi State. I mean, it's the both are good ball clubs, and I think that this is where it comes into you know, do you really want to go bet on a team ten and a half? And so if if you want, you can take Texas Tech plus ten and a half. I, I mean. I'm going to stay away from this game just just because I don't really like the uh, matchup of that. But next game I like a lot. Mm, I'm torn between this because I, I was looking at you know the over-unders, the, at the spreads all season. UCLA, there's a little murmur about you know Chip Kelly leaving UCLA. NC State finishing out the season strong. Do you go NC State? That's the big question, and I am. I'm going to go NC State money line minus 132. I know I just said plus money's been bringing home the money, but NC State, I have to go with them. Prime time, 8 o'clock game. How can you not? Uh, The next game that's right after that is a Tuesday game, a late, a late start. 
10 16 Eastern, 9 16 Central. It's West Virginia and Minnesota. The over under is set at 45. To me, I think personally that's a little low, but also you got to put in consideration, like I've been talking about, a lot of players have been sitting out. If you had to take a line on this game, I like the first half, you know, spreads. That's just me. You get your money and you're gone. Plus 100 value, West Virginia, plus two and a half versus Minnesota. The next game I'm looking at here, and I believe this will be my third and final pick before my hot pick of the week, or I guess you could say hot pick of the bowl season. I'm looking here, and the next game that kind of comes to mind would be Oregon and Oklahoma. Oklahoma's minus 205 on the money line. Oregon's plus 160. Oregon's been a tad bit lackluster near the end of the season. So do you really want to go Oregon and Oklahoma? That's up to you. But for me, I am going to take this game. There are no alternate lines. There's no half market lines whatsoever. I'm going to take Oklahoma minus four and a half on the spread. Minus 110. I think it's a steal because from my perspective, Oregon, you know, losing their coach to Miami, it's it's just a dumpster fire in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. Uh, without With the uh, recent talks of Bo Nix headed out to Eugene, Oregon, by all means, yes, that's going to be big for him. But I think Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley leaving, a little fresh start. I don't believe he'll be coaching in this bowl game. So give me Oklahoma minus four and a half. And lastly, for my college football picks, yes, here we go. My final pick of college football, excluding the college football playoff, it's the Music City Bowl, Tennessee versus Purdue. And Tennessee is the home team, minus 205 on the money line, Purdue plus 164, over under is set at 63 and a half. I believe this game will be high scoring. Like the Oklahoma game, the spread is four and a half. I'm leaning towards Tennessee on four and a half. Josh Heupel offense is just high-powering offense that can't be stopped. Now, with me with me saying that, I truly like Josh Heupel in this offense. They, they put up the most points against Georgia. They've done everything they can in their possible way just to finish out the season strong. And personally to me, being the home team in the Music City Bowl in your home state, it, this is a perfect opportunity for Josh Heupel to secure the pipeline state of Tennessee, and I think he could really grow this UT football program to the next level. So as long as he doesn't get a job offer anywhere else, which doesn't look likely this offseason, maybe in the near future, but not this offseason, I think Josh Heupel and the Tennessee Volunteers take this game probably by 10 points in my opinion. I think they'll cover the spread and then some. But that is my hot pick of the week, or hot pick of the bowl season, Tennessee, minus four and a half on the spread. And lastly, for my college football playoff bowl prediction for the playoff, we have obviously Cincinnati versus Alabama, Georgia versus Michigan. Where does my heart lie in this type of situation? Well, it's I'm looking at the bowl specials because these are kind of the only ones that are left. And this is kind of crazy. It went from minus 650 to minus 480. Alabama and Georgia versus the field, meaning the Michigan and Cincinnati, possibly. So the books really have Alabama or Georgia. And then you have the field at plus 380. It, it's just kind of 
been all over the place. But recently, I like Alabama defeating Georgia plus 200. Yeah, Alabama's been up and down. You really don't know what team you're going to get. But in a primetime Alabama, Nick Saban-style team, I don't think they're messing up anytime soon. It's just, we've all seen the story. We've all seen it happen. It it looks like it's probably going to happen again. Alabama to defeat Georgia in the national title game right now is plus 200. Now, if you think it's vice versa, you think Georgia's going to beat Alabama plus 180. Now, if you want to go the other route with possibly Georgia losing, Alabama defeating Michigan plus 550, Alabama losing to Michigan in the national target plus 1,000, Georgia defeats Cincinnati in the national target plus 800, like, the, the the wild card of them all, Michigan, defeating Cincinnati plus 2,500. I don't recommend any of these lines. My eyes are set on Georgia and Alabama, and it's up to you to pick who you think is going to win the national title. Personally, personally, on my pick, the Knicks, this is my final pick, my final pick of the college football season. Alabama defeats Georgia in the national championship, and they win the college football playoff at plus 200. That's great value. You can double your money. I don't see how you don't pass this one up. So yeah, those are my picks. If you kind of want to know more about my college football bowl specials, go follow on the Nick Frazier podcast Instagram page. I'll have that stuff posted there on the profile page. If you kind of want to follow along here going on, we'll be back with the NFP 1K parlay and the NFP picks for the NFL after this break. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, for the NFL picks, the NFP 1K parlay. Yeah, it is time for those two wonderful segments. And you know what? I understand, you know, we're 15-something-odd minutes in, and I already gave my college football picks. You're like, oh, wow, this is kind of a short podcast. Well, yeah. The slate is kind of short, in my opinion. There are not a lot of great games to bet on, in my opinion. Um, You know, it's just kind of hard to look at a slate in college football and be like, well, the season's winding down. There are not that many good picks to choose from. So, you know, you got to deal. You got to roll with it. You got to roll with the punches. You got to take what they give you, and you roll with the punches. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the NFL picks. What I like the most The Tennessee Titans have the Thursday night football game, the last Thursday night game of the season. In recent news, Taylor Lewan has been ruled out with some sort of back injury. Roger Saffold is ruled out. He's been placed on the COVID IR list. The Elijah Molden this past week has been put on the COVID IR list. But in return, DB Chris Jackson has come off that list, excuse me, the IR list, along along with A.J. Brown. So with A.J. Brown being back, in my opinion, I think it's a little premature for him to play. I, I know that this is a very crucial, I guess more better terms, a vital situation for the Titans. They need to win Thursday night. This is their division to lose. It's insane to think that if the Chiefs, who have had the COVID bug recently, if they lose this week at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers and New England loses to Buffalo, we have the head-to-head win versus Buffalo. And if we win against San Francisco, we all know what happens. We take the number one spot in the AFC. That's a crazy situation there. 
But if the Titans lose and the Indianapolis Colts win versus the Arizona Cardinals, well, we have ourselves an issue. Yes, the Titans have the head-to-head clean sweep versus the Indianapolis Colts, but that's just the problem is the Titans need to be able to find wins. I mean, if you want to talk about some good odds to take on on the sport books, it's coach of the year in my opinion. You know, last week I talked about the coach of the year props and, you know, Alex, Jason, Kevin, Justin, and even Trey, they were looking and we all talked about it. And to me personally, I like Mike Vrabel in this type of situation to be coach of the year. If he can pull out this team to win the AFC outright and then obviously win the AFC South, I think personally he deserves it. He deserves every bit of the coach of the year award. Every bit of it. Right now, if you look on the books, Mike Vrabel is plus 2,000. Now, to me personally, plus 2,000, falling behind Cliff Kingsbury, Matt LaFleur, Bill Belichick. D- does anybody realize what what is happening here? Now, hear, hear me out. Bill Belichick, plus 135 to win coach of the year. I understand. Last year did not have a great year whatsoever. End up drafting Mac Jones. End up spending $180 million in the offseason of some sorts. Getting... Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, etc. All these other players. Well, yes, it's brought them back to playoff contentions. That doesn't mean that he needs to, you know, be awarded coach of the year, in my opinion. Now, I'm not knocking them for the talent they have on that team because they have performed. They have performed. Now, as for Matt LaFleur, Alex said it best last week. He said that Matt LaFleur has kind of been gifted a team. And truthfully, I think LaFleur is a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But I just think Rodgers has kind of been the uh, the talking point there in Green Bay. And he's kind of been, you know, putting up most of the work. I mean, hell, the guy's playing on a broken toe. So we'll see what happens in Green Bay. But I don't like 250 there. That that I'm just going through the lineup here. This is where I think is it's kind of getting there, all right? Cliff Kingsbury. For the second season in a row, Arizona has found themselves in some sort of wishy-washy situation near the end of the season. You know, they they have dropped two straight, and one of them obviously being against the Detroit Lions, a Dan Campbell team that looked depleted but are building the culture, the foundation in Detroit. So I don't like Cliff Kingsbury in that regard, not just because they lost to Detroit. It's because... Playing out West in a very easy division, in my opinion. Well, I wouldn't say easy. I would say it's a lot easier than other divisions. Let's put it that way. And yet, y'all are still fighting for a potential wild card spot. I mean, yes, let's put it this way. Between the Rams and the Cardinals, they are playing back and forth for that type of spot. They're, they're both 10-4. and four. Currently, I believe the Rams hold the spot over them. And the Cardinals are in their wild card spot. So, yes, both 10 and 4 playing for a wild card spot. Yeah, obviously. But as for Mike Vrabel, as for Mike Vrabel and the two tone blue Tennessee Titans, the most rostered transactions in a season, the most players played on a 53 man roster, you sign Julio Jones in the offseason, and somehow you're able to get a couple games out of him. Like, I get it. 
you lose your star running back, your franchise running back for an X amount of weeks, and he's coming back early in the playoffs, possibly the last week of the regular season, which I doubt it, and yet they're still producing wins. You got a guy like Deontay Foreman who is really coming into form here. I mean, he's looking really good. Him and Dontrell Hilliard both, they've kind of been able to find some mojo here in the backfield. Because Mike Ravel found these guys. All these guys were unemployed that he brought onto the roster. They all want to win. They're hungry. Now, as for the offensive line, though, that's... Roger Saffold had... And, and this is my opinion. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. Roger Saffold has been probably the most productive lineman on the offense for the Tennessee Titans. Between him and Ben Jones, those two have been in the lineup week in and week out. Even when Saffold was hurt, he was in the lineup. I mean, I'm just telling you right now, this, this offense, is, it's all full of grit. Grit and grind. These guys want to win. So being at 9-5, and five, Mike Vrabel plus 2,000 is a wonderful, wonderful price tag to put a little cash on. Now, Trey said last week, Sean McVay plus 2,000 as well. I kind of like that. I kind of like where Trey was going. I mean, it was kind of a shot in the dark last week. Nobody could really see what he was talking about. Now, looking at it, the Rams are looking pretty decent. Yeah, I get it. Omicron, Corona, whatever. It's it's kind of you know going through the NFL by storm, but the way these coaches are handling that situation, to me personally, that's, how, that's who I think is going to win Coach of the Year. If these coaches can handle it and persevere through this adversity and go on and possibly win a Super Bowl, be the first seed, have a playoff berth of some sort, home field advantage, whatever, first round bye, then I think personally that's who needs to win Coach of the Year, not who spends the most money and makes their team the biggest turnaround sensation. Like, and I don't get me wrong, Alex and I, we, we've talked about this off the pod, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this with other people off the pod, but never go against Saban and Belichick. Well, I'm going to go against Belichick here because I just don't see how this is physically possible for somebody to be rewarded coach of the year when you have other coaches that have kind of struggled through worse. So, And, you know, you could also make a case the other way around. Like, Belichick has found a way to, you know, maintain the success with this team he's put together. So, I mean, you can look at it that way too. So, I mean, it, I'm not knocking you either way. I'm just saying, to me, the more difficult route, I think, should be the more rewarding. That's just me personally because you're you're exercising all of your avenues to build a winning football team. To me, that's what deserves Coach of the Year. So, that's, how, that's my stance on it. We'll carry on. We're going to go over to the wonderful NFL slate this week. I like a lot of these games. They're very close. It's coming down to the wire, obviously. It's coming to the end of the season, and man, do we have some games. You know, the Titans, I'll save that one for last. I like some other games here. The Green Bay Packers on the spread, minus 7.5. Obviously, the Browns had some big COVID outbreak with Omicron and whatever. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's going for 443 at Lambeau Field. Recently, in an interview he had on the Pat McAfee show, he said 
I believe, I'm, don't quote me on this. He said something along these lines of, you're playing Aaron Rodgers. You're playing the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. You should be scared. You should be scared. And, and truthfully, I think so. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Jadavian Clowney's healthy enough from his little COVID list thing and Jarvis Landry and and Baker Mayfield are all back, like I think the Browns could make this a pretty close game, but I don't know, man. The Green Bay Packers are looking pretty lethal. And, yeah, they only won by one point last week versus Baltimore. Don't get me wrong. It's on Christmas. I think the Packers and the Cheeseheads are going to they're going to give everybody a little Christmas gift if you're going to bet on them. So if you want to be a little safer about it, you can take them alternate spread, minus six and a half, a little touchdown spread if you want. Personally, that extra half a point, it's it may come back and bite me, but I'm taking it. I'm taking the Packers, minus seven and a half. It's good value. The next game I like, man, do I really want to take the Panthers at plus ten and a half? I truthfully kind of do. Just because of the news around Tampa Bay, obviously Antonio Brown is coming back this week. I believe Leonard Fournette's not going to play. I believe Mike Evans is not going to play from what I've heard. And then obviously they just signed Le'Veon Bell. He's a good pass-protecting running back, can still tote the ball. Obviously you look at this offense and you know Leonard Fournette, excuse me, Leonard Fournette, the reason why he was kind of the lead back and kind of took Rojo's spot was just, Rojo couldn't pass block. If you go back and look at the film, this man, he kind of had a little struggle struggle session here trying to pass block. And and that's why Leonard Fournette, I mean, his career has kind of resurged with, with Tom Brady. So, I mean, hopefully a healthy, speedy recovery from all these guys that are on the IR for Tampa Bay. But, I mean, you know, Chris Godwin's out, torn ACL, and he was on his contract year. So, I mean, he'll probably sign back with Tampa Bay for probably one one-year contract because, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, he the ageless wonder. We don't know if he's going to sign it like a one-year deal, two-year deal, whatever it is. Um, but I think, you know, Chris Godwin, as the season has progressed this this year, it's just unfortunate that he had to go down with some such injury. So look for A.B. to be a good, you know, target for him this week. Minus 490, minus 10.5, over under at 44. I mean, I'm not too high on Cam Newton just because – I haven't seen this man really throw a pass over 40 yards, and I'm not hating on Cam Newton whatsoever. It's just the athletic ability that he is, you know, showing out there. It's just, it's not enough for me to really be persuaded to take Carolina on the money line, obviously. But now plus 10 and a half, though, it's doable. It is very doable. I don't know if Gronk is going to be there, be ready to play for T- Tampa Bay. It's possible... You know, and and obviously signing Le'Veon Bell, here's the deal. It's kind of like the Odell situation. This man may or may not be ready to play this week. That's the thing is it takes a little bit of time to adjust into the playbook. But, uh, I mean, it's a a toss-up. It truly is. Like, these lines are really good this week. And uh, I really do want to take Carolina. I'll take this as an unofficial pick on the podcast. I'm going to take Carolina plus 10.5. Um, the next pick I like would be, man, there's a lot of big spread on oh, three or four games that are minus 10. Um, the Chargers, I think they'll win this game outright, obviously, versus the Houston Texans on the road. Do they cover the spread? I don't know. Uh, next game, the Giants and the Eagles plus 10. Like, yikes. 
But here's a game that I will put on my list. It is an official pick. The Baltimore Ravens plus 128 on the money line. I don't care if Lamar Jackson's in the game. I don't care if Tyler Hundley's in the game. Tyler Hundley, and you know what? I'll go on record saying this. I will. Tyler Hundley has been more clutch than Lamar Jackson this season when the team needs him most, truthfully. Now, I get it. Both of them have thrown a two-point conversion pass that was incomplete to Mark Andrews. That equals out. Fair. I, I mean, and I think I'm just saying this because Lamar went down and stuff like that, but, I mean, Tyler Hundley has just, he's stepped in there, and he's really, like, they haven't missed a beat, even though they have lost. So, I don't like the Bengals' record at home. They struggle at home. They play a lot better on the road, and I just don't think Baltimore loses too straight. And with, with Lamar in or with him out, I don't care who the quarterback is. They both can produce. So give me the Baltimore Ravens plus 128 on the money line. The next game I like, man, I got this early in the week. I got the Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half on the spread. This was before all the news came out. Um, So I am on the Atlanta Falcons minus two and a half on the spread because there was some news. I'm trying to think what it was, but there was some news that came out about the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. I think it might have been golf. Somebody in the organization. And the line was two and a half, minus 190 on the money line. And all of a sudden, like after that news hit, 10 minutes later, I look at the books. Boom, minus 245. Well, it's now jumped up to minus 260. Over under is set at 42 and a half. That's dropped, I think, two, three points. Um, so in the spreads at six, I got it at two and a half. So if you can kind of get it on an alternate, you can. If you don't, that's fine. I probably would lean towards Detroit at plus six. They've been playing good. They're a covering machine. But at two and a half, I I had to take it. So that's my second pick or third pick, one of the two. Uh, My next pick I like would be the LA Rams. Money line, minus 154. I think they'll beat the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings haven't been the greatest team in recent weeks. Yeah, they played the Chicago Bears last week, but truthfully, nothing against the Bears. I like watching the Bears play, but they're in an absolute dumpster fire situation right now. They had some COVID issues last week. Their whole secondary was out. And still, still, Kirk Cousins kept it a near one-possession game. So I like the Rams. Even though the Rams played the Seattle Seahawks tight on a Tuesday night, which is kind of odd to say with all this rescheduling of of sorts, but... Give me the L.A. Rams, money line, minus 154. And then for, ooh, this is where it gets a little interesting. The Buffalo game and the Patriots, they that tempts me a lot. The Broncos and the Raiders tempt me a lot. These are kind of like coin flip games. They truthfully are. And lastly, I'm looking down at the bottom half of it. So my last pick before I get to the Tennessee Titans game I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys minus 10 and a half. Yes, this is like one of the four or five games that are minus 10 and a half spreads. So give me the Dallas Cowboys minus 10 and a half. You know, Dak's been in a slump recently. I believe Tony Pollard has some sort of plantar fascia issue going on with his foot. And, you know, the Cowboys, their defense has been showing out. I think Dak starts to get out of that slump that he's in. Give me the Cowboys minus 10 and a half. Okay, those are my picks. And lastly, just because the Titans have the last primetime game 
of the season for Thursday Night Football. I will be at the game. If you want to see me, if you want to, you know, meet me, whatever, you can DM the Nick Frazier podcast and find me, yada, yada. But I'm going to go out on a limb here. The Titans money line earlier today was at plus 163. I think 164. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the spread. It's at three. It was plus 164. It's now dropped to plus 144. And, you know, in this type of situation, backs against the wall, the Titans always have this weird issue with when they play those smaller teams, or not smaller teams, just not as good teams like the Jets, you know, I mean, you drop games like that, you're going to lose them for some reason. Now, the Titans, you know, last week playing against Pittsburgh probably should have won that game, you know. They were not playing at the greatest, you know, capacity. We haven't seen Golden Tate yet. Uh, There's been no news about him possibly going to the 53-man roster. You know, there was an interview, I want to say, oh gosh, it was probably midway through the season, and he was a guest host on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, and he was saying, yeah, I want to sign with a playoff contending team. I want to help them in their playoff run. Well, I mean, he's staying true, true to his word. There, I mean, he wants to be a part of a playoff contending team. Checkmark the Titans. He wants to help them out in the playoffs. Well, if you want to help them out in the playoffs, let's get us a little first-round bye. You want to win a Super Bowl, you need to start helping out. And I don't know if, if it's him, he's not healthy enough. I don't know that he doesn't know the playbook. I mean, he's been with the team long enough to know the playbook. I mean, maybe the Titans are concerned they're going to possibly get him hurt. I don't know. It's possible. Maybe Vrabel and this coaching staff are just trying to use all of their practice squad players that they can, get the most out of them, and kind of just heal up the starters. And, I, I mean, as I'm sitting here, it just sounds very logical in my opinion. And and that's that's the whole point about where I was talking about earlier with Vrabel winning coach of the year. He's winning games with practice squad material players. And, again, let me say it. I think coach of the year needs to be given to a coach that is exercising all of its avenues to win a football game, whether that's signing somebody off the street and winning. It, it, it can be done. And uh, But back to this game for Thursday night, Debo Samuel is going to be an, an interesting player to stop. He's, gonna, he's an awesome player to watch because sometimes he'll line up in the backfield. He'll line up in the slot, line up out wide. He'll line up as a tight end. Like, maybe he'll line up as a fullback if they need him. I mean, he's a very versatile-type player. And, you know, George Kittle's a versatile tight end as well. Jimmy G is a decent enough quarterback. He has the intangibles around him that can make him, you know, excel in this offense. So, for me, I think the Titans' defense needs to step up. It's pretty big, huge, I guess is a better way to put it, to have Chris Jackson back. I don't know how healthy he is to play, but he is off the IR. Having Chris Fulton available, having, you know, Kevin Byard, you know, he mentioned earlier, I think in the week, talking to a couple of media people, and he mentioned that he's studying everything about Debo Samuel. He's studying everything about this 49ers offense. He's he's going to be studying up to the kickoff is what he said, I believe. And, you know, with watching the Titans play last week on defense, they played good enough. It's the fact the turnovers. The turnovers are what killed Tennessee. And with, you know, a depleted offensive line, you're probably going to have to put in Dylan Raditz, the rookie, 
out of North Dakota State. Um, you know, I mean, it. Uh, it's just hard. It's hard when you don't have enough healthy players to play football. And I know it doesn't sound optimistic for me to take the Titans, but, you know, I cannot go against the hometown team. I'm taking the Titans plus 144 on the money line. I'm that confident that they will pull this one out because if they win and the losing scenario kind of unfolds as this weekend progresses, the Titans are going to solidify the AFC in the first, the first overall, you know, the first overall in the AFC. So, I mean, for that being said, the Titans, it, it's not a need anymore. It's a must. They must get the first round by. If they want to have a deep playoff run, they must get the first round by. And that's me being a little bit biased. Actually, that's me being a good bit of biased. But in all, it's also me being very harsh and critical on the team because and uh, me just being a spectator, a fan, someone who enjoys the game of football. I mean, this is a game the Titans cannot let let slip away because, you know, to finish out the season, they have the Dolphins. And then, you know, you, you finish out with the Texans. And the Texans are always a dicey team. They're always a dicey team to play. And don't don't let this offense fool you. Yes, they're out of, they're out of playoff contention, but don't let them fool you. So... With that being said, the Tennessee Titans, I'll say it, they're my hot pick of this NFL week, and that's where we're going with it. And now, finally, we are getting to the NFP 1K parlay. This is what I got this week. I have the Los Angeles Rams money line, the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half, the Denver Broncos plus one, the Dallas Cowboys minus 10 and a half. The Kansas City Chiefs. I didn't like the spread. I think it's going to be a close game because I don't know if Travis Kelsey, excuse me, Travis Kelsey is going to be playing. I don't think Tyreek Hill is going to be available. Patrick Mahomes is going to really have to rely on this run game with Clyde Edwards Alaire. And the Pittsburgh Steelers front on defense is pretty decent. Pretty good. Pretty good. So he's going to have to rely on Byron Pringle. He's going to have to rely on McCole Hardman. You know, some of those players. And uh, so, yeah, I like the Chiefs to win still, but it's a winning margin four-way, uh, 1 to 13 points, plus 135. If you want to take that straight up, you can. Um, but I like that in the parlay. It gives a little extra juice. The Lions and the Falcons game, I can see the Lions pulling out another win, but also I see the Falcons keeping this game close. So give me the Falcons. I don't think they're going to cover the spread. The, the current spread at six. I think they'll cover the two and a half, though. I think they'll win by a field goal. Uh, but I also did another winning margin four-way. Atlanta Falcons to win by one to 13 points. That's plus 140. The next one I have is the Tennessee Titans. And I know I said I took the money line for my pick, but this is a parlay, and you just don't know how things are going to unfold. So I was able to get the alternate spread at seven and a half at minus 210. Good value there for a parlay. The next one, like I mentioned earlier about the Packers, the minus seven and a half spread. You could take it if you want, but for the parlay's sake, I took six and a half. I like that value at minus 140. The next one I took, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're a minus 10 spread team here against the Houston Texans. I think they'll probably cover it, but to play it safe, I took the Los Angeles Chargers minus six and a half. The next game after that, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they covered against the Washington football team, but also... 
I don't see the Giants losing like this big margin back to back weeks, in my opinion. So I took the Giants alternate spread plus eleven and a half. I think it's decent value. If you want to go the opposite way, you can. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens money line plus one eighteen, and it's now going up to plus one twenty eight. Not reading too much into that, honestly. But the next game, the Chicago Bears. You know this offense has been up and down. It's been pretty high flying action. Uh, they put up points when they want to, and against a Seattle Seahawks team that's kind of depleted, looks like they're not making the playoffs. They're not out of playoff contention just yet, but uh, they are on track for a losing season with Russell Wilson for the first time in franchise history. I like the Chicago Bears alternate spread plus eleven and a half. The next game, which I was kind of these next two games, I'm kind of dicey nervous about, but. The Indianapolis Colts, plus three and a half, minus 160. That's an alternate spread as well. And the last one, the New York Jets, minus one at home versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this is kind of a steal pick, in my opinion, just because the Jags obviously obviously play in a warm weather situation down there in Jacksonville. But then you also have the Jets. You know, they're kind of used to the cold weather, and I believe it's going to be like a sleetish rain on Sunday up there for the New York Jets. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Both teams haven't really played great this season, but the Jets last week gave Miami a run for their money. And I think with that, they gave me enough to kind of go with my intuition, my gut feeling on this to take the Jets. You know, truthfully, I did hedge this in another parlay for the Jags to, you know, cover the spread at two and a half. But, you know, the spread's now gone down to one. So I took, it's kind of a coin flip game. So I took the Jets at minus one. But to get to the moral of the whole entire parlay here, you get that green George Washington $1, ladies and gentlemen. The little pubescent George Washington that got him a little hatchet for his birthday. Chopping down that cherry tree. Yes, indeed. Get you a little dollar. You know what it wins you, folks? It wins you. Over well, in this case, it wins you over a thousand. It'll be four thousand seven hundred nine dollars. Put a little point behind there. Put a little dot and four cents. Yes, don't forget your four cents, folks. Any bit helps. And yes, the NFP one K parlay hit two weeks ago. We intend on it hitting again this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I gotta say about the NFP one K parlay. Now, with it being Christmas time, I will put in there. Some cool things I enjoy making for the holiday season. And I'm going to kind of start off with some family stuff that I do. And, you know, as a little kid, I grew up obviously in this Italian-American household, but very, very uh, passionate about the cuisine that we, you know, experience. And, you know, uh, we we have this thing called sfingi. Some people know it as zeppoli. It's basically like an Italian deep-fried donut. Um, you, you kind of get your batter. You put it in there, you deep fry it, and when you're done, you roll it in some some sugar. And, you know, when it's hot, it sticks, yada, yada, all the above there. It is one of the most delicious things out there. Probably have some cannolis, pasta with meatballs, all the above there. But, uh, you know, as for American dishes that we kind of have, occasionally every other Christmas we'll do like, we'll have some ribs just because, I mean, it's not really a Christmas thing, but a lot of people in my family enjoy eating ribs. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my meals with meatball that I want to share for the Christmas season. Things that, you know, people have throughout Christmas with eggnog and stuff like that. 
I'm not a big eggnog person. I don't know what it is. I just think, just couldn't get around to the taste of it. Couldn't acquire a taste. You know, there's a thing now. It's like a Bailey's eggnog or whatever. It's uh, like a liqueur drink. Yeah, I'm not a big liqueur person either. So uh, I'm going to have to pass on the eggnog. I'm just a basic dude. Give me some black coffee and uh, give me give me some biscotti. Give me some cookies. Give me any type of cookie. I mean, I'm cool with it. It's good. You can't go wrong with black coffee. You can't really mess it up. I mean, you can, but the people that mess up black coffee, they got an issue. I don't know what's wrong with them. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. What are some good places I've eaten in the past week and a half or so at, uh, let's see, in, in the Nashville area? Hmm. I will say this. So before the Nashville Predators went on a hiatus uh, throughout the Christmas season, I will say they scored four goals on an away game. I went over to Wendy's, and Alex can kind of contest to this because he went to Wendy's as well that same night. And, um, you know, it's better if he were here to, to kind of say this here. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a little teaser about it. You can say more on the pod next week. Uh, but anyways... We both went to Wendy's, and we ended up getting, you know, a free Frosty. You score four, you get a Frosty. Well, yeah, I order my meal. I say, hey, you know, the Preds scored four goals. Can I get a free Frosty? I was, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Pull up to the first window. Pull up the first window, I pay, and, uh, you know, you get your food at the second window normally. But he handed out my food, and uh, he gave me the Frosty last. You know, the most, you know, enticing thing that you're hoping for, the, the sweet, you know, Sweet, cold, frost, you know, the chocolate frosty. The original chocolate frosty, let's put it that way. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away. It's probably the size, I'm trying to think, how can I explain the size of this frosty? Well, let's put it this way. You know a shot glass? Everybody knows a shot glass. That, that was probably the size of a shot glass, truthfully. I mean, if, if this was for a baby, the baby would have been in hog heaven. I ain't, I'm not a baby. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I'm, I can, I can take down a good large, maybe a medium. Normally they give you like a a small, this was like a extra, extra small. I'm like, all right, uh, is this a slap in the face? I mean, you dip your fries in there, you dip in two, three fries and it's gone. I mean, uh, you give me a sample. What's the deal here? And, uh, I roll with the punches. I just say, Hey, it's a free frosty. You can't really go wrong with that. But that's where I ate recently was Wendy's. I don't really eat out much. You know, I've, as usual, Cinco de Mayo, I wish I could just eat there every day. They have great food. And that that's about it. That's kind of all I've eaten in the last couple weeks. And uh, obviously, it's the holiday season, so I'm going to be eating a lot of good food around town and, you know, have some, you know, get-togethers and whatnot. So it should be a, a fun, eventful holiday, you know, with family and friends. And on that note, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening to the Nick Frazier podcast especially for this year as a whole. In the last two months, you guys really killed it in the listenership aspect of it all. 6,000 listens. I greatly appreciate that. It helps boost the podcast, helps boost everything about it. If you want to know more about the Nick Frazier podcast in between episodes, go like us on Instagram, follow us, share with a few friends, help expand the podcast on social media. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, well, you know where to do that. You go on Apple, Spotify, Google, any of those platforms, any streaming platform we're probably on. Go subscribe, rate five stars, helps boost the podcast. I mean, in 2022, going to expand to YouTube, hopefully do some video podcasting. 
I've been asked by a lot of people in the DMs and just in general friends, they've said, hey, you need to start doing a video podcast. That would be really more engaging. Well, you know what? It's on its way. I'm doing my best. Trying to get some new merch out there as well. Got some cool ideas on the way. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much for all the support. We'll catch you on the next episode. Maybe 2022. Peace.